reading from the seventh chapter of the Gospel according to Mark, beginning with the first verse. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they noticed that some of His disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they have thoroughly washed their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Continue with verses 14 through 15. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. Continue with verse 21. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I shared with the children Proverbs twelve nineteen that says, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. That's good news, isn't it, church? Wouldn't you like to know that the truth is more endearing than lies? We hear plenty of lies, don't we? These days it's almost impossible to tell the truth. And I hate to admit it, but one of my favorite games to play is to tell somebody a lie for the truth with a straight face and see if they'll believe it. But then, of course, I, I clear things up, you know. Like when the state quarters were coming out, I came home and told my wife that they had announced the state quarter for South Carolina. It was going to be a, a poker machine and a Confederate flag. And she said, really? And I said, no, not really. But sometimes we tell little things like that that are meant to be more of jokes and not really be a lie, not to be something that hurts or something that condemns another person. And usually when we're telling lies, it's in an interest to make ourselves look better than somebody else, right? Hypocrisy is a case of untruthful lips. What Jesus was accusing the Pharisees of was their lips not matching their hearts. Hypocrisy is when the words of our lips don't match the intentions, the thoughts, or the desires of our hearts. Hypocrisy is not recognizing what we are, but pretending to be something else. 
It's said that Robert Redford was walking through a hotel lobby one day to get on an elevator, and a woman recognized him, and she said, Are you the real Robert Redford? As the doors of the elevator closed, he said to himself, Only when I'm alone. Isn't that true for us? That when we're alone and face problems, when we're alone and face things that hurt, that's when our true self comes out. Or when we feel cornered by someone else. There's a meme going around Facebook right now that says when somebody shows them their true true self, believe them. There may be some good in that, some truth in that. But probably what we also need to do is recognize that very often we don't show people our true selves. That very often we bottle our true selves up because we're ashamed of some of what we are. I never go to church, boasted one member of a church to the pastor. She said, perhaps you noticed that, pastor. And the pastor said, yes, I did notice that. And she said, well, the reason I don't go to church is because there's so many hypocrites at our church. And the pastor said, well, don't let that get you in the way. There's room for one more. There's another thing going around on Facebook right now. It shows a face of a comedian, and it says saying that you don't go to church because of hypocrites is like saying you don't go to the gym because of the fat people. Right? Hypocrites need church. Hypocrites need an interaction with Christ, and that's what these Pharisees are getting. And for that, I'm thankful for this story, because they're getting to see that what they've done is they've covered up. They've covered up the love that's in the law. You see, what they did is build a fence around the law. Those first five books of Moses that teach us how to live, they added a bunch of other commandments so that you would never get close enough to the law to break it. If you broke one of their teachings, one of the teachings of the elders, you wouldn't necessarily be breaking the law, you would just be breaking a rule that was supposed to keep you from breaking the law. Like when your parents say, drive two miles under the speed limit, right? But your friends tell me, oh, you can go seven over. You won't get pulled over for that. Yeah, you will. (laughs) Been there, done that. Dealing with the truth that's in us is what Jesus is wanting these people to do. It's what He wants us to do. How can we cry out to God for a clean heart if we can't see that there are things in our hearts that needed to be cleaned? How many of you have ever hired a maid to clean your perfectly clean house? Anybody? Anybody? How many of us have a perfectly clean house? That's the better question, isn't it? Likely the same number of us that have perfectly clean hearts. Because we struggle with dirt all the time. Dirt presses in around us. Constantly. Seeking to get in and defile our heart to defile us. At our church meeting, there was a very wealthy man who rose to tell the rest of those present about his Christian faith. I'm a millionaire, he said. And I attribute it all to the rich blessings of God in my life. I remember that turning point in my faith, he said. I had just earned my first dollar, and I went to a church meeting that night. The speaker was a missionary who told about his work. I knew that I only had a dollar bill and had to either give it all to God's work or nothing at all. So at that moment, I decided to give my whole dollar to God. I believe that God blessed that decision, and that's why I'm a rich man today. 
He finished. And there was an awed silence at his testimony as he moved toward his seat. And when he sat down, a little old lady who had been sitting beside him leaned over and said, I dare you to do it again. That's funny, y'all laugh. <laughs> Hypocrisy sometimes deals with things that we don't want to let go. Sometimes we tell people things about ourselves because we don't want people to know those things that we'd really rather not give up. One of the reasons sin is attractive is because we like it. And that's a hard thing to admit. One of the traps that these Pharisees had fallen into is they liked their position. And they didn't want to say anything that might jeopardize it. So they constantly had to be teaching the people how to be better and better, how to keep the law, without recognizing that they themselves often didn't keep the law. Jesus threw that back in their face. In this same chapter, He said to them, You people have parents who need help, and yet you say to those parents, I gave my wealth to the temple. He said, You keep a tradition, but ignore God's commandment to honor your mother and your father. And that's what He meant by saying to them that they were teaching things that weren't in their heart, that their lips, their lips were paying honor to God, but their hearts were far away because they valued their wealth more than honoring their mother and their father. Wealth can be a trap for us. It can cause us to want more and more of it and to start to living differently than we believe. Like when I put a picture in a presentation for Rock Hill School Board District 3 showing two African-American employees in my firm knowing that they didn't work there anymore because we needed them to be able to get the job. And I did it because my boss told me to. And you know what? It was sinful. And it was wrong. And I lied. But I did it to preserve my position. Because I was afraid to go and say, hey, we can't do that. Hypocrisy will rear its head at the most inconvenient moment when we might be straddled between telling a truth that will hurt us or telling a lie that will preserve us, but we still will give ourselves over to the darkness and sin that's in our heart. And deny Christ's goodness by participating in the hurt of the world. And don't think that ministers don't face that. Every pastor I know, I would be willing to bet, feels a tendency to want to be liked and to make sure that they preach things that cause them to be liked. Even preachers can be guilty of hypocrisy. There was a pastor who was walking down a street one time. I'm told this is true, I don't know. But it was presented as truthful. There were a dozen kids who were playing with a dog. And the pastor was afraid maybe they were hurting the dog. So he walked over to see what all the craziness was. Because they were just laughing and acting like kids act when they're doing something they shouldn't be doing sometimes. When they got there, he said, hey, what are you doing to that dog? And he said, oh, we're not doing anything to the dog. We're trying to decide which one of us can tell the biggest lie so we can keep the dog. And of course, the pastor was taken aback by that a little bit. And he said, you boys shouldn't be having a contest about telling lies. That's wrong. Don't you boys know it's a sin to lie? And in the end, he said, when I was your age, I never told a lie. And there was dead silence for about a minute until the smallest boy looked at the rest of them and said, okay, he gets the dog. <laughs> mm. 
Jokes aren't, y'all laughing, and I felt, man, I'm not laughing at a joke about a preacher because I am one. (laughs) But there's tons of hypocrisy in the church, and none of us, none of us, dear ones, none of us are immune to it, myself included. I have had instances where somebody's told me that's the best sermon I've ever preached, and what I wanted to tell them was I was preaching to myself. That that sermon was about me and my struggle. We all struggle. And the hope is that we could be honest with each other and struggle together and find truthful lips enough to admit that we're sinners in need of grace. Instead of presenting ourselves as the holiest of the holy. And we told some jokes about that, but there was a sincere moment when the church needed to step up and tell a man who was lying about faith that he was a liar. And to tell the world that he was a liar. And his name was Adolf Hitler. And one of my favorite theologians died at the hand of Hitler for calling him a liar. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He and a few others were willing to stand up to Hitler. But this is what Hitler did according to the publication today in the Word. He made free use of Christian vocabulary. He talked about the blessing of the Almighty and the Christian confessions which would become the pillars of his new government. He assumed the earnestness of a man weighed down by historic responsibility. He handed out pious stories to the press, especially to the church papers. He showed his tattered Bible and declared that he drew the strength for his great work from it as scores of pious people welcomed him as a man sent from God. Indeed, Adolf Hitler was a master of outward religiosity with no inward reality. The greatest example we've ever known of a person who would confess Christ with his lips but deny him with his actions. Hypocrisy is a real danger to us. It takes away our witness. Perhaps we could be brave enough to look into our own hearts and say, Lord, where is it in me that I need you to be at work? We all need for Christ to be in us. Heinrich Heine, a German philosopher, warned people about Hitler. He said when they burn books, sooner or later they burn people. Because a hypocrisy that allows you to portray yourself as good when your intentions are evil is a hypocrisy that will allow us to do anything. Scott Hosey writes that maybe a similar or related observation could be made from what we read in Mark 7. Wherever people make serving God all about keeping rules, sooner or later all of life becomes about drawing lines to determine who's in and who's out. And the number of the people among the outs will always be a lot greater than those who are allegedly in. And that's when religious folks become much more interested in telling people that they will burn in hell than in proclaiming to them a gracious God who has already given everything to keep that from happening. The warning for us today, dear ones, as the church of Christ, is that if we boil our faith down to keeping rules, then we will pretend to be judges over how people keep rules. If we boil our faith down to being right all the time, or to thinking that we are the arbiters of righteousness, that we hold the final say of what is good or bad, 
then we miss that what faith about is a person and not rules. Faith is about Jesus. Our religion is Jesus, not rules. Our religion is not whether our children should wear shorts to church. But are our children in church? Are our children in church? The Pharisees struggle with something that we all struggle with. What is appropriate behavior to a believer? When the true question we should be asking is, are you a believer? I'll give you an example. One night, I went to Walmart to buy something to fish with. I know that's a shock. I was buying this nasty stuff that I really would not open anywhere near a person who wasn't interested in using it. It's called Primo Stink Bait. And let me tell you, it stinks. It smells worse than the garbage dump across the street. It is nasty smelling stuff, but catfish love it. I was standing in line at Walmart with this stuff, just holding it in my hand and going to check out, because I just had one can and I was driving all the way down to Santee Cooper Lakes. It was about an hour and a half from where I was before I came here. And I'm sure this well-intentioned soul looked at me and says, The Bible says you can't eat catfish. Just like that. Hands on her hips, down at me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all I heard was not like the teacher in the peanuts. What good did that do? What if I had been a person who didn't know Jesus? Like the people who were standing around that day when the Pharisees attacked Jesus. What if I had been a person who needed Jesus? Whose heart was eat up with hurt? What if it had been the worst day of my life? And all I heard from a Christian that day is, The Bible says you can't eat catfish. Let me ask you, did that serve the gospel church? What do you think? Did it? Did it serve me to go on to go home and oh Jesus, I love you? No. It made me go home and want to say, it doesn't say catfish, it says fish without scales. <laughs> but listen, one of the things that Jesus said here is he said, Look, what you eat in your mouth does not defile you. It goes in your mouth and goes out and goes out. It goes into the sewer. But it's what comes out of you that defiles you. It's all the hurts that you commit. It's all the hatred that you throw out. The avarice, the greed, the lust, the sexual immorality. All the things that you let take over your heart and spew out of you. Those are the things that separate you from God. Not forgetting to wash your hands before you eat. Not eating catfish. Dear ones, my hope is that we will be a people who don't let our faith be about rules, but let our faith be about relationships with Jesus Christ and with the people that He loves and died for. So that we wouldn't be a church that sees a person comes in in grubby clothes and seat them in the back. Or we wouldn't be a church that ignores the homeless people in our community or people who need Christ and don't know Him. Like that person standing beside you yesterday as you checked out with your groceries. What if that was a moment for you to look at them and say, do you know that God loves you? This moment that the Pharisees seemed to have wasted was a moment for them to speak about what God wants for us. Let's don't lose those moments by being captivated by rules and assumptions and be worried about who's going to hell and who isn't. 
I feel like I have unfortunately had more conversations with Christians who wanted to know if I was going to go to hell than wanted to know if I knew that Jesus loved me. That's sad. When we allow our faith to be bound up in rules, we forget that our faith is about Jesus. It's about a person. It's not about the way that we live, but who we live for. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.